Today's Tuesday, August the 4th, and this is Battleground. Today we have Marilee Cancio. Marilee, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure to be with you, Ivan. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, so big news. Uh, you joined the Trump advisory team. That's awesome. That, that is great, great news, uh, especially for the campaign that I think uh, is going to be in for a big surprise. I think everybody's going to be in for a big surprise for the Hispanic vote this time around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, what we're seeing here in Florida is that the Biden campaign is basically alienating a lot of the Hispanic voters. They're very disorganized. They don't have a ground game. We have uh, so many people in our team on the ground here in Florida, registering people to vote. They're, they're everywhere, everywhere. And there was a recent article in the Miami, Miami Herald uh, where uh, they were talking about some internal communications of the Biden campaign where the staffers were very upset at the lack of coordination and investment in their uh, campaign to attract Hispanic Americans. So Latinos for Trump were killing it, uh, working really, really hard. And I think that's what's going to make the difference in some of these battleground states, especially Florida. Florida must win for anybody to win the White House. So that's what we're uh, facing and working with. I mean, we're positive in that sense. You know, these are unique times, coronavirus times. Yeah. Uh, Florida and the Sun Belt were hit hard, uh, but I think we're going to overcome it in time. The elections, the big issue is going to be uh, possible fraud with those mail ballots. Um, here in Florida, we have uh, an opportunity for people to go vote for two weeks before any election. They can request absentee ballots. And the difference between absentee ballots and mailing a ballot to everybody is a possible fraud. When you request a ballot, they registered that you requested and when you're going to get it back or you submitted it. If you just mail out millions of ballots, there's no way of keeping track of that. Right. Uh, and it's, it can be rigged for fraud. And I think that's one of our main concerns. Uh, for example, in Florida, if you request an absentee ballot and you don't use it, or you don't go and vote early, uh, the day of election, unless you show up with that ballot in your hand, you cannot vote. So imagine if you don't even know a ballot was sent to you and you show up to vote and they say, well, where's your ballot? And I have no idea. I said, I didn't order one. Well, one was sent to you and they don't let you vote. Or in the alternative, let's say that they use the ballot because the reason in Florida they don't let you uh, vote on election day if you have not used an absentee ballot is to prevent fraud because what if you submitted it like the day before and then you go vote again and that counts for two. Right. So imagine if we're going to be tracking every single ballot after election day. It's a nightmare. Uh, forget Florida in 2000 that you know we had that uh, Gore v. Bush uh, situation of the chads and the few hundred ballots. This will happen in every state that does that. So I'm really concerned about that. And I think President Trump may take action on that because so. we just can't allow to have millions of ballots sent to anybody. Because in some states, I imagine that they're going to say, oh, it doesn't matter whether you've got a ballot or not. You can, you can vote on election day. Uh, I think Florida that has a very good governor and a good system of early voting and ample time for people to vote. 
may stick to their uh, procedure of saying, okay, unless you show up with that absentee ballot on election day, you cannot vote. So uh, that is my concern, but I'm optimistic uh, for the Trump campaign administration is hitting it off the ballpark uh, with policies that help the Hispanic American community and Americans in general, uh, but especially small business owners, uh, people of faith, uh, you know, so we have uh, shown that this is a team of people and administration that they do things. Other administrations used to talk pretty, but really didn't do anything or didn't do anything constructive. Trump, you know, when you least expect it, is going to come out and do something great. And even uh, criminal justice reform, the First Step Act, is something that the press have talked about it for a long time, but it was. President Trump that signed it. And so Democrats don't like to talk about that, but I think that was a huge achievement in his administration. Uh, over 200 federal judges, the Supreme Court justices that he appointed, and those are things we're going to continue seeing uh, with the Trump administration. The alternative is that Biden, Biden himself, poor guy, he's not a bad guy. I don't think he is, but I think he's being controlled by the radical left, and that is the concern. We don't know who's pulling his strings. I don't think he has the mental capability of being president of the United States. And that's a great point, Mari Lee. Uh, there, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of question about his mental ability right now. Uh, did age finally hit Biden? They're hiding Biden in a basement. They have op-eds. You know, Lockhart came out and uh, and said, "Don't debate Trump." There's this push right now from various, you know, people and uh, media outlets trying to push a, uh, I guess, um, an excuse, a, you know, an, an acceptable excuse or, or create a, a narrative that Trump, uh, that, that Biden shouldn't uh, debate the president. Will the American people elect somebody that won't debate? Let me tell you, the media is already making excuses for Biden. And I've said, <laughs> weeks ago or months ago, there's no way Biden's going to debate Trump. Yep. You know, there's a, there's like a few debates scheduled. There's one here in Miami in October, I believe. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I would love for it to happen, but there's no way. When you see the pretty Biden ads, I want to see them do it in one take. Yeah. He's reading from a teleprompter and even so, he's having difficulties with that. Have you ever been to a Trump rally or seen President Trump speak? He is eloquent. He does not need a teleprompter when he's in one of those rallies or in one of those debates. Yeah. He will eat Biden for lunch. And that's why he's not going to debate him. There's no way they're going to allow that. And that's sad because if it was the other way around, the media would be crucifying yeah. uh, the Republicans for not debating. But in this case, they're going to make excuses. They'll probably have a debate for the vice presidency because they want to showcase whatever woman they select for the position. But look how sad that they select a candidate, not based on their qualifications, but by their gender or maybe the color of their skin. They think that's more important. They got to check boxes, right? That's what they're looking for. And, and we don't do that. We are a party uh, of equality and opportunity for all based on your merits, but not based on the color of your skin. And that is something that... When you look at, at the Democrats, they talk all pretty, but the reality is that this administration has helped more women, more Blacks, more Hispanics than any previous administration. And I think they're going to get a surprise when November comes and 
Trump receives the support of other groups that the Democrats have taken for granted for many years. And one of the things we're seeing, Ivan, is school choice. When now the schools are supposed to go back, who's controlling those decisions are unions and teacher unions. Uh, but parents that want to send their kids back to school so they can go work right. don't have the luxury of having someone take care of their kids. And you're going to see that a lot of charter schools in places where that's an option are going to receive an influx of students that will change from a public school to a charter school, which many of them will be open uh, in Florida, for example. Yeah. yeah. And Florida's awesome in that regard. I mean, I lived there for 20 years, as you know. Um, that, that, that's one of the great, great things uh, I think uh, Jeb did, uh, you know, with, with education. Uh, it, it, it's one of the great states when it comes to public public schools. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the People's Republic of Maryland, unfortunately. Okay. Um, I'm one of three Republicans up here. So, you know, like we say here in Maryland, you can fit all Republicans in a phone booth. It's actually true. Um, but, you know, um, I, I find it very, very hard to believe, Marily, that this guy won't come out of the basement and debate. Uh, I, um, I get it. Why? Because he would get destroyed. He would get rolled. He would not be able to handle 90 minutes on stage with the president. He would just get destroyed. Um, how do they get away with that, though? You think that you think so, you know, I get the, the liberals, a the hard left. They're going to come out and they're going to scream and say that Trump is a liar and a criminal and a Russian puppet and this and that and and all the stupidity that comes out of their mouth on a regular basis. But what about the independents? What about the middle voters? you know, that, that are not hard right, that are not hard left, you know, are they going to put up with that? Are they going to put up with somebody not willing to debate, somebody hiding in a basement, somebody taken by the arm? I don't know if you saw that video. He had a nurse taking him out through, you know, by the arm of a building up to his oh, I, did, I didn't see that. And, and the problem is that the, the media is definitely on the side of, of the Democrats and Biden, and they will do everything possible to hide that. And they will make excuses uh, for Biden and for the Democrats all along the way. And so the public may not hear about it. Not everybody is as involved in politics and in the process as you and I are. Yeah. Uh, some people are too busy living their lives, uh, making a living that may not watch TV, may not read the papers, may not be as informed. But when it comes to election day, they're going to vote uh, for their pockets, they're going to vote for the future of this country, and they're going to make those decisions. Now, if you look just at Biden ads and TV, I think some of the ads are pretty good. Yeah. Some of the ads here in Florida, I find them hilarious. Uh, he's trying to do sort of like a make America great again, talking about American values, and yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, forget what was the slogan he was using yesterday. Uh, bring it back or bring Biden back. I don't think that this campaign, remember before there was hope and change, uh, Trump had make America great. I don't think that the Biden campaign really has anything going for it. They don't have a slogan, they don't have supporters. You know, it'd be interesting to see if the Bernie bros are gonna go out and vote for Biden in November. Uh, we know that the radical left uh, may not even vote for Biden. Uh, so God bless yeah, him. I mean, yeah, I, I there's, no, there's, there's definitely no enthusiasm on the Biden side. <clears throat> and like you said, <clears throat> if the Bernie bros don't come out for him, if the hard left doesn't come out, he's done. 
right? Um, but going Deeper back the to base, Deeper the base, that's why he wants to uh, bring to the ticket a woman, possibly a woman of color. But interestingly enough, the woman of color of the five finalists, one is Elizabeth Warren, which is like yeah. Indian American, I remember. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I don't think she'll be picked. I don't think that Susan Rice will be picked. Yeah. Um, you know, I really think it's between Kamala Harris and Karen Bass. Yeah. Uh, but it will be just really, I mean, if it's Karen Bass, I'm crying that it's Karen Bass because they're going to lose Florida. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I really don't know uh, if just getting someone because of the color of their skin that uh, people of color can say, oh, I'm, I'm going to vote for her. I, I don't think so. Uh, maybe some women get enthusiastic about, you know, voting for a woman. You know, we saw that with Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton had a lot more support and enthusiasm going for her campaign than Biden has at this moment. Even with all the problems that uh, Mrs. Clinton had back then. There was a lot more going for that campaign than the Biden campaign right now. You don't see a single bumper sticker. There's no enthusiasm for his campaign. Uh, you see, you know, barely anybody out there. You see more Trump support, more Trump bumper stickers in a place like South Florida where you can have your car scratched by having one of those bumper yeah, stickers. Yeah. So I think that uh, President Trump is on the right track. Yeah, I have a, I have a big uh, uh, Ram 1500 rebel with uh you know with a hemi on it and uh i have a huge bumper sticker on the back and somebody vandalized my car i mean somebody broke out the backlights of my car uh because of the bumper sticker uh, look i don't i don't know a single republican or any i don't know anyone that would even think about committing vandalism to someone that has a bumper sticker of a different political party or a different candidate i mean it's it just something that i can't imagine I cannot imagine that, but we see yeah. that hate, that desperation, and then you're seeing like the big money from George Soros helping a lot of these riots around the country, and we're a country made out of laws. That's what differentiates right. our legal system, and when you see these vandals out in the streets burning businesses, committing crimes, that's not what America is all about. And I think the middle of America, those independent voters, when they see those riots and that crime and defunding police, they're not going to vote for that. Why would they? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think there's going to be a tremendous backlash from, from the riots, the looting, the arson, you know, the assault and the murder. That, that is being pushed by by the left, by you know, by the Democratic Party, uh, encouraged by by those leaders in those cities. Um, well, go, going back to Karen Bass, uh, you know, so, somebody praising Fidel Castro. I mean, she's done. I, I, you know, like like you said, let let's pray it's her, right? Because you lose Florida immediately, and uh, and I think that wakes up America. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think that the president definitely uh, ha has a great opportunity to win this. Before the pandemic, the numbers were fantastic. It was a slam dunk. Can he turn it around? I don't know. Uh, we saw yesterday on his, um, you know, on his, on his uh, you know, uh, uh, press briefing, you know, talked about some of the different things. Obviously, the CARE Act expired on Friday. You know, there's millions of Americans facing evictions. He talked about uh, a payroll, uh, payroll tax relief and, uh, and eviction relief, even by executive order. So I don't know what the president's going to do, but we need to do something. Um, we can't let. Oh, we're three months away. We're three, three 
three months from today yep. is three months from today it's done so you know we, this is like a sprint to the finish line not a single debate the democrats are not going to help in congress the president of the united states wants to pass all sorts of measures to help the public yep. democrats are not going to help i mean you're going to see the next three months of complete chaos because the only way the democrats in the house have is to control the money strings yep. and they're going to do everything possible to make it impossible for president trump to have any measure of success helping the American people. And that's so what they want, really right? That's what they want, Marilyn. They're all about creating chaos. Ever since he won the election, it has been one crisis after another crisis after another crisis, all, all created, all astroturf, all fake news, and that's what they want. They're, you're absolutely right. I think the president's probably going to have to do whatever he needs to do from now to the election by executive order or it'll just be more and more chaos, more and more pain for the American people. And that's what Democrats want. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. They are, they're, they're heinous and despicable people. And uh, quite frankly, uh, I, I would go on, on almost to say they are un-American. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it is so, so disgraceful what they have done to this administration, to this president for the last three and a half years. So so Ivan, I agree with you. I think it's very, very important for people to go out and vote in November because we lost the House. Uh, and if we lose the Senate, imagine what they can do to this country. They will completely destroy this country. They will pass a Green New Deal. They will defund police. You know, the uh, Democrat president is going to appoint radical uh, justices to the Supreme Court. I mean, the people that uh, President Trump has appointed to these different uh, judicial positions have been top-notch attorneys and judges. And we need to continue with that because if we just let Democrats continue on their path to change this country, change this country to something that we're not, to change this country to something that we won't be able to recognize. So Biden says he wants to be the most progressive president. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you, I don't know if you saw that ad that Latinos for Trump has put out of Trump saying he's progresista with a little clips of, you know, of Chavez and Maduro all saying that is going to do very well down here because uh, progressives is another word for socialist. That's and right. we don't want a socialist president in the United States. No, no, we certainly do. Marily Cancio, thank you for joining us. Where can people follow you on social media? I know you're uh, you're you're very active on Twitter. Uh, you're you're active in media. For politics. You know, yeah. how do you how do you how do you put up with fake news? CNN. I don't know. I stopped doing it a couple of years ago. I bless you. You're you're you know you're, they have, you're amazing. They haven't, they haven't invited me. They haven't invited me in a long time. Uh, you know, we t we say it how it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't like it. They don't like it. So to say they have a Republican, those are Republicans. That's right. But all good. Right. Excellent, Marilee. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with more Battleground. Welcome back to Battleground. We have the great Larry Benet with us again. Larry is, as you guys heard, uh, I guess two weeks ago, one of the most connected people in the world, according to Fortune and according to just about everybody. If you need to, if you need to read somebody. Call Larry. He probably knows him or knows somebody that knows him. Uh, Larry, thanks for being back on the show. Uh, 
you are uh, you're a stud, man. How, how, how do you do this? How are you connected to so many people? I think you wanted to share some of uh, some of your techniques that have worked for you on on uh, on being that chief connector, right? Well, I think you know at the end of the day, you got to build relationships one relationship at a time. And I, I'm a firm believer in finding out, you know, what's important to other people. I'm a big believer in being memorable. And, you know, it's interesting. I just got off the phone and, you know, with someone, and I'll be honest, I don't speak to him regularly. It's probably been a while since we've spoken. You know, we text from time to time. He's actually big. He's a big consultant in the dental industry. The main reason I reached out to him, I wanted to find out if he had connections to the big dental groups for the PPE stuff that we do together. Anyway, make a long story short, at the end of the call, he indicated to me something about mergers and acquisitions and what, you know, he's creating a new software for his dental company. And, you know, literally the way my mind works, once he said that there was someone um, that I, I know loosely through another one of my business connections, I'm like, you know what, I bet if I connected these two guys, there would be some significant value. I don't know what would happen. But one's in the mergers and acquisitions of dental practices. The other guy's in the, in the business of helping dental practices become better, you know, become more profitable. And so even though I'm not in their category, I know both of them. So why not connect the dots? And, you know, at the end of the day, I think great connectors, great masters of business, great relationship builders are always looking out for others first in their network to help serve, serve up value. That's great, man. And, you know, we, we talked about a couple of things and, you know, the importance, right? The importance of building relationships, not just networking, right? Because people, a lot of people network. A lot of people go to networking events. A lot of people belong to clubs and the groups and do et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they're networking. Uh, you, you take this to you know, an entirely different level, right? You're, you're not a networker, you build relationships. And what's the difference? Explain that to people. Why is that important? Well, I'll give you two instances on two things that have happened like in the last seven days. So um, a year ago, um, I was at two different Hold on, I think. Which was a big uh, Hold on, you broke, up, you, broke up. For, you broke up there, Larry. Can you do that again? Yeah, what I was saying is, yeah, yeah. In, in the last week, I had two contacts or I had two phone calls with, uh, one was a Zoom, but uh, within it, both individuals in the hedge fund business, which I'm not from the hedge fund industry. Right. Uh, anyway, the point of the matter is I met both of these gentlemen about a year ago. And what's interesting is one guy's married to one of the most famous models of all time. Wow. Um, and anyway, the other guy, and I spoke to the other guy yesterday, I thought about what allowed for me to have these second and follow-up conversations. Cause a lot of people meet people and it doesn't really go anywhere. The one guy, him and I literally, I remember meeting this guy at the bar at the Montage Hotel in Beverly Hills during the Milken conference. And the point is him and I bonded over our mothers, both of our mothers had passed. And I remember specifically talking to him at length about his mom, the experience. And then he mentioned that he had a daughter that was about ready to graduate and was looking for an opportunity in the advertising industry. I made a connection for him to a, an advertising agency for his daughter. But the point is, when I needed some help, both of these gentlemen, both very busy, both run hedge funds, took time, and not just a little bit of time, and a lot of time to explain to me 
you know, uh, some, some dynamics that I, I would not know. And, and, and you know, it, it's just fascinating uh, whether it's staying in touch and think, you know, for example, this one gentleman whose uh, wife is very famous model, um, when she's been in the news, maybe I'll text him something and, and just because I'm, I'm being thoughtful. Right. And I think that's really where the, the rubber meets the road. A lot of people are focused on themselves. If you could focus on others, um, I, I think that's really where the key is. And, and, and by the way, you can't do things once. You've got to be able to have information in your phone or your CRM. Uh, I'll give you another perfect example. Using social media. There's so much good information that happens on social media when people comment about their family yeah. or something that's going on in their business. And then are you smart enough to take that information and bring it over to put it in your CRM, to put it in your phone? Um, or for example, if everyone is getting bombarded on social media and you have their cell phone, are you reaching out on a platform that maybe not everyone's pinging them on? So it's doing the opposite you know, a lot of times, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know, so I appreciate you say I've mastered, but listen, at the end of the day, you and I both know how important is relationships, yeah. connection, capital, relationship, currency, you know, in the world of politics, it's almost everything in yeah. the world of business. It's everything yeah. to get things yeah. done, to raise capital, yeah. to raise money for charity, to get someone a job, to open up the door, you know, accept it. Absolutely. Hey, it's something you talk about a lot uh, on your, on, on, when you do your Facebook lives, you know, yeah. and you, you've been bringing it up lately. Um, and, and I'm going to bring it up because I think it's extremely important right now because of the current situation. There, there's so much partisanship. There's so much divide. There's so much tension. Um, almost to the point of hate, right? Uh, one side hates the other. The other side hates them back. Uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And you always talk about something. And I love that word. You talk about the word kindness. Um, I'm not going to take your thunder. I'd, I'd love for you to, you know, just, just walk us through that. What, what does that mean to you? What, why is that important to you, to others, for everybody? What is kindness? Well, first of all, I think right now, as we are doing this, we're in August of 2020 yeah. and I have never seen a time where kindness is needed more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you need, I think people need more empathy. I think people need to see the other side and listen more. Uh, listen, it, you, you know, you're heavily involved in politics, but at one point in time, I don't know if it was 20 years ago or 30, how long ago would have tip O'Neill been the speaker of the house? That would have been on what? 30 plus years ago. Yeah, in the 80s, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at one time, he could disagree with his Democrat or Republican, you know, whoever or whatever side they were on, and they could go break bread together. Yeah, that yeah, doesn't yeah. happen anymore. And, that, and that's a great point because there, <clears throat> there's tremendous stories about that. Tip O'Neill was a Democrat, Speaker of the House. Ronald Reagan was president. And they would duke it out really, really hard. But then they would get together and have a beer or a drink, you know. That was something special, yeah. you know, that, that I think we've lost and it's been lost for a while, but it, but, you know, but, but it's also just not even at that level, but at every level. Now you see friends not being friends anymore because of politics, the vitriol. I mean, people yeah. yelling at other people for not wearing a mask. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. 
I know this lady, she's probably got to be close. I bet she's probably around in her late 70s or 80s. But she's known Donald Trump for like a lifetime. She's interviewed him like seven different times for documentaries or whatever. I know for a fact she lost friends, like lifelong friends, because she ended up supporting Trump. Wow. And, 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 you know, she's probably a lifelong Democrat. But the point is, I really believe whether it's in business, whether it's in politics, think about it. If we could find out the things that we agree on, I bet we agree on more than what we disagree on. And I, I think in sales, you know, you're going to run across all different kinds of personalities. And in business, I think you just have to listen and understand the other side where they're coming from so you can get a deal done. And then the same thing in politics. I was joking around with Tony Robbins a couple of years ago. I was like, I really think in, in Washington, they probably need to do like a, uh, like a weekend retreat where, you know, they, they somehow can figure out how to get on um, like an intervention almost. Yeah. But years ago, and I, I mean, I, I, would, I cannot remember the name of this organization, but they're so good. And there's a lot of bullying at the high school level yeah. and the junior high school level. And this one group, what the, what the, and there's some kind of video, I'll have to send it to you. But basically the guy would say, I want everyone to step forward if you've ever been uh, dealing with divorce. And then people would step forward. I want you to step forward if you've ever had a health issue. And when the guy would do all this stuff and it was just very interesting to see how much people had in common. So anyway, I, I just think kindness is incredibly important. Empathy is incredibly important. Listening to others is incredibly important. Yeah. And if people just did more of that, we could have better results. And, and we, both have, we both have a sales background, so we get that, right? Is, is, is listen more than talk, ask the right questions from your customer, try and understand what their yeah. wants, their needs are, what some of the areas of concern might be and the opportunities, right? But I think in reg like regular folks that are not in sales ha haven't developed those skills, right? And they don't listen, you know, they, they just want to give you whatever their opinion is and they don't want to listen to the other side. Um, you know, obviously in politics, um, you know, I, I, I have very open and, and great, you know, conversations with the other side. Uh, obviously when we're on camera and it's, you know, and, and, and it's a debate, it gets heated and, you know, it's, everybody's trying to score points, which is different, but it's part of, it's part of the entertainment, right? It's part of the, uh, it, it's part of what we're doing, right? Um, but what do you suggest to people? <clears throat> How do we overcome this? Because it doesn't seem, Larry, that things are getting better. It almost seems like they're more polarized by the day, by the minute, by the hour, by the tweet, right? I, I did a post yesterday um, on my Instagram and my Facebook. And I yeah, asked that was me, awesome, by the way. I'm yeah. like, what are, what are three things? Because I said, we are more polarized yeah. than ever. Yeah. I'm like, what are three things we could all agree on? Are there really, I mean, and all I was trying to say is there's got to be things out there that people can agree on. You know, what's so sad to me on the politics side is if Trump had a good idea, no. even if, if the Republicans had a good idea, just because it came from that side, the other side, would, they would find something wrong with it. Same right. thing. If the Democrats had a good idea, 
the Republicans would just bash it automatically. And I think between kindness, between empathy, and really uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, like for example, right now we're dealing with COVID. There's no way, you know, I just watched on CNN last night. Fake news, fake news CNN, go ahead. Uh, I, I saw this kid. He was probably 16 or seven. He just lost both of his parents oh my God. in less than, in less than two days. They both, both, and both of his parents were young, like in their fifties. Like they ended up, they only announced that they had COVID like less than two weeks ago. And unfortunately COVID got him. And so as I'm watching this kid, this kid was so poised and like, I would not be that poised after losing both of my parents right. from like, they were healthy to like, boom. So it's, it's going back to like, what can we all agree on? Like, we all would like to see this end. You know, how do we come up with a, a nationwide strategy? Right. So finally, we put everyone back to work. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, so no one wants to see that. So anyway, it's just a... You, you got to say what, what, the, uh, what one, of the, one of the comments was on your post, which I think everybody agreed on it. That was hilarious. Um, well, you know, go, go ahead. You tell me because I, I saw a bunch of people. Yeah, it was your uh, friend. I can't remember his name, but he said that uh, he said Epstein didn't kill himself. Oh, yes. And he got like 100 likes or something. Everybody agreed on that. Everybody agreed on that. That was hilarious. That was one of the greatest comments. That won the internet for the day, without a doubt. Hey, Larry, so you're, 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 your, your advice here, you're a, guy, you're, you're a people person. You, you know how to connect with people. You know how to bond, how to build a rapport, how to do all that. Friends, we've all, well, I don't know about you, but I've lost hundreds of friends over politics. Hundreds of friends since, since 2008, you know, when it really got really polarized and people started saying, well, if you don't support Obama, you're a racist. If you yeah. oppose his policies, you're a racist. It had nothing to yeah. do with race with me. But that's the yeah. way they were, they were, you know, they were trained, they were pushed to, to use that. A lot of people believed it. Other people just used it as a weapon, et cetera. But now we're, now we're in the situation where friends are no longer talking to each other. I know people, I'm not going to use names, where, you know, they had been friends for 20-something years. Yeah. And the wife called this person's wife and said, you know what? We've decided that we're not going to be friends with you guys anymore because your husband supports Trump. Well, I would long friends. I would say two things. A, kill them with kindness, number one. And number two, I would literally take out the phone and I would call or send a video message or a simple text and say, hey, you know what? It's 2020. And you know what? You know, we used to have a lifelong relationship and I can't, life is too short. Yep. Um, I know when you lose a loved one, you know, that really changes dynamics. And I, I really believe life is too short to yeah. hold the grudge. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone listening. If you haven't talked to somebody in a long time, six months, pick up the phone, text them, reach out and, you know, AT&T, what was their uh, famous slogan? Yeah, yeah, reach yeah. out and connect with someone. Reach out and, and touch I, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you've had a situation, whether it's a, a family member, whether it's a friend, or whatever, where you used to be close and for whatever reason it's splintered off, what better time than today, right now, to pick up the phone? Hey, and that takes me to the, to the next point, right? Which is fantastic. I mean, dude, you, you give me these segues, I, I think, on purpose. They're going to think we're rehearsed. So kindness, empathy, forgiveness. 
you're talking about reaching out to people you haven't talked to in a yeah. while. Forgiveness. That's a big thing for you too, right? But you also bring you also bring something up too, you know, that says, you know, if somebody does something a certain way, you know, you, you take you take that for face value as well, right? Uh, so how, how does that work? Forgiveness, for example. I mean, well, I, I well, first of all, I think if you're holding on to that kind of energy, you, you need to let it go. You know, um, years ago, I had a client and he was in a nasty, nasty lawsuit with his former company. And I was like, God, forget the legal bills, just all the negative energy. Yeah. And I, you know, I know people, they don't talk to their mother. They don't talk to their father. They don't talk to their brother, their sister, or whatever the scenario is. You know, you're talking politics, you know, politics has divided people. Yeah. Man, life is short. I, I think at some point you just either have to forgive and get over it and let that energy go. You know, more people I think will die from heart attacks and cancer and, you know, massive stress over those kind of things if it's all kept bottled up. It's just not worth it. I just think it's something that you'll have to do and let go. Well, listen, we all have situations we have to forgive and move forward. Otherwise, if you don't forgive, you can't move forward. Yep, yep. You're hurting remember, yourself more than you are the other person. Yeah, I remember Reagan had this great, great uh, story or anecdote. And uh, he, he talked about, um, God, I can't remember which book it was. But uh, he would say, don't get mad, don't get even, get ahead, right? And he said, instead of, instead of grabbing, you know, like playing golf, instead of grabbing the golf club and beating it on the ground, like throwing it this way, he said, I'll just forward in front, throw it in front of me so when I walk that way, I can just pick it up versus throwing it sideways and having to walk, you know, however long, <laughs> you know. So, so I agree. You got to let go of, the, of whatever grudge, whatever, you know, is, is eating you up inside and just move forward. Um, I always say that, and I bring that up because, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're 50, right? So, you know, we've lived, you know, <laughs> half a century We've known a lot of people, engage with so many, and there have been, you know, good interactions and bad interactions, right? And, you know, I had somebody reach out the other day and, you know, with some apologies, et cetera. And, and I said, hey, listen, you know, um, all that's in the past. You know, all that's in the past, uh, I, you know, I focus on, on, on the future. Uh, I don't look at the past. Uh, you you know, the, the past does not determine the future. Uh, because you failed last decade, last month, last week, yesterday, or this morning, doesn't mean you're going to fail tomorrow or in an hour, right? Um, and I think a lot of people get caught, you know, and bogged down on on the past, right? And uh, and they don't focus on. And Tony Robbins says this brilliantly, right? Uh, we we get bogged down on the minutia, on the details of life, versus designing our future, right? And uh, that, that's, uh, you know, th those words marked me for a long time. And, and, you know, that's why he's the boss, man. And you got to introduce me to him, brother. You know, uh, it's just a matter of time before we all connect. Hey, Larry, parting, parting words for, uh, for, for the people listening. What, what is, what is your advice for the week? Your advice for, you know, the next two weeks. So you're, until you're back on. I would say give first, add value, always serve others, focusing on making a difference you know, focus on gratitude, you know, focus on what you have, not what you don't have. And uh, like we talked about, if there's someone that you have not talked to in a while, get on the phone, reach out, touch someone today. And that, that's what I would recommend. 
AT&T, is AT&T uh, paying you? Are you a sponsor by any chance? I gotta, no, I need to get, I I gotta need to get that. I'm going to hook me up with AT&T so he gets you got it. We got to talk to him. I mean, they, they just did a major change, right? So Randall retired. We saw Stanky is now t- taking over the, you know, the head of AT&T. There's a lot of good stuff going on there in the telecom world, T-Mobile and Sprint. That mega merger that actually – so surprised because I saw uh, Mike, their CEO, uh, on, on LinkedIn actually posted – that they've been able to fully integrate the two companies in like record time, including wow. customer service, billing platforms. Uh, you know, I, I had Sprint, I used to complain about their service and now it's T-Mobile. Now I have, uh, you know, Volte, I have all kinds of stuff that, uh, that, that didn't work before, but yeah, a lot of fun times. Hey, real quick, you're in the PP yeah. business. Uh, yeah. We've been doing some stuff. Uh, what are some of the challenges out there that, uh, let, let's do this, let's do this. Uh, real quick, uh, like a uh, public service announcement. Huh? Sure. 3M masks. Tell me about those. If there's anybody out there listening and you think you're going to become a millionaire on 3M masks, the great Larry Benet has some advice for you. Listen up. Take notes. <laughs> I, I would say, unfortunately, there's been an awful lot of fraud, as you and I both know. There continues to be a lot of fraud in the category you know, for the most part, they're at capacity and most of those things are accounted for. So when you hear these very large numbers, it's very sad that people prey on other people. Yeah. It's just crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stick, with trust, yeah. stick with trusted sources for sure. That's right. And, and we, and we, you know, we both talked to a high executive at, at, at 3M. Uh, actually, he's probably coming on onto the show. So if you want to join us on that, uh, on that podcast, you're more than happy to. Uh, but we're going to talk about that. You know, right now there's a global demand. Listen to these numbers, Larry. Global demand for N95 masks of 32 billion. And there's a total global production amongst all companies of 6 billion. Can you imagine that upside? That is huge. And today somebody sent me a link talking about, uh, you know, that they had 3M masks. So I figured, hey, I, I, I'll call them. They seem like a legitimate company. They said, yeah, we're only doing big lots. We have a $6 billion, a $10 billion, and a $1 trillion. I said, do you realize that 3M's global annual production is $2.5 billion, you know, of all mass? And they said, well, that's not true. That's not true. And I said, okay, great. Call, call the fraud line before I do and turn you in, you know? <laughs> but, yeah, crazy stuff. Larry Benet, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming, Larry. And, uh, and, and hopefully you'll come back, right? Absolutely. If they want, you know, they can hit, you know – there's a free book on our website, larrybenet.com forward slash ebook, or they can hit me on social at Larry K. Benet and hit me either on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram and say hello. You don't do Twitter, do you? Tell them we're friends of Ivan. Yeah, you do have more friends than me. You got you to gotta have your friends come no, over. I said, tell them we're fr- no, I said tell them they're friends of yours. Oh, That's okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, uh, you don't use Twitter, do you? Um, I'm on there a little bit. Probably not as much as I should be. Yeah, you're, you're an Instagram guy, right? Yeah, I see that. I know right. much more on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm starting to do more on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, Larry Benet, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Battleground. And for our final segment, we have uh, Risa Kirkland, a.k.a. War Chick. Yes. Risa. Hey, Hi. thanks for being on the show, man. You're, you're so much fun. We love you on social media. We've, uh, you know, had the opportunity to actually meet in person and, uh, and share a couple of drinks as well. 
Uh, you are just great. Thanks for being on. You have so much to talk about. We're just, uh, in some of our messages, uh, man, AG bar, uh, Epstein. I mean, <laughs> ah, geez, I, I don't even know where to go, but you know, is the lies, black lives matter, burn oh. down the world. Uh, you know, nobody knows what's going on, but one thing we do know is they're hiding Biden. He doesn't, they don't want to debate. They're already pushing that narrative. Uh, I don't know, Risa. Uh, it sounds to me like they're scared. Biden doesn't know where he is, who he is half the time. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, before the pandemic hit, this thing was a slam dunk. We were going to land. Yeah. I don't, we were definitely well, going to. Well, that know. was the purpose of the shamdemic. Yeah, I call it the shamdemic. Well, that's what it is. I mean, it's one sham after, after another. Right. You know, the, the fake right. No, absolutely. I agree. It absolutely is. I'm just going to turn the volume down on my phone so it doesn't bug us. Um, yeah, you know, it, yeah I call it the shamdemic. And the reason I do that is Reagan actually warned that healthcare was one of the number one ways that communism in the past in other countries had implemented, taken over, and controlled people. And um, I recognized instantly because I know the pattern of communism. I've been an expert on communism for three decades now. Yep. Uh, over 200 articles published, uh, feminism, racism, pitting the races, sexes, thin, fat, wealthy, poor against each other. These are all classic commie tactics. And uh, one of the big ones they use is healthcare. Remember when Hitler was wiping people out, he often had them go to hospitals, institutions. Dr. Mengele, his doctors were doctors of death. They were not doctors of life. They were there to uh, drug and eventually kill people. He used doctors for mass murder. And uh, that's why I'm warning this. We have a sham-demic, which is what I'm calling it. This is another commie-crat. I don't call them Democrats. They're the commie-crats. Uh, this is another coup to take down Donald Trump, a flu coup. And you mentioned fear. They are terrified. And they are terrified because the, for, for the first time in the 100 years since Khrushchev actually bragged in the 1950s to Secretary of Agriculture Ezra Taft Benson, he bragged to him that they had infiltrated and overtaken the Democratic Party right after World War I. And, and 19, let me, let me, 1919, 1920. And he said, through the Democratic Party, we will implement communism yep. step by step. And he told Ezra, so one day when your children wake up, they will wake up as communists in a communist nation. That is literally what they've done. He said that they would do it by regulating guns, by regulating speech, making certain words illegal that if you use, you could lose your job, your home, your freedom. You could go to jail. And we have that going on now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone's saying inward, like they're five-year-olds. Like adults don't know the difference between using the word nigger to discuss race, which they're always screaming, we've got to have an honest discussion about race, and the, the hypocrisy of allowing blacks to say it every three seconds in rap songs, in discussions. But boy, White says it, they lose their job, they lose their income, they, they go to jail. Yep. How are we gonna have an honest discussion about that if you outlaw words, but only for certain races? 
How are we going to have an honest discussion about race if now Webster's is saying we're going to capitalize the B in black, which is an adjective. It's not a proper noun. Right. But not the W in white. This is outrageously hypocritical and elitist. And, and that's what communism is. Communism is elitism. There is a pattern going on here like crazy. And the pattern is they are exempting elites, which communism does. They are trying to flu coup the president. This is a coup. This is an active coup. This shamdemic kills less people than the regular flu does. Yep. And yet we're stifling under masks, which by the way, I got my degree originally in education. My minors were biology, health ed, and phys ed. I taught and by the way, just all so through college. Just so and let me tell you something, those masks are dangerous. They cause hypoxia, low oxygen levels, but the even greater thing they do is they cause hypercapnia. Hypercapnia is excessive carbon dioxide. Excessive carbon dioxide pushes out oxygen. So your oxygen levels go even lower. Now they're demanding children wear masks at school eight hours a day. Doctors don't even do that. Doctors only wear masks for procedures. And that's to keep your body fluids from splashing in their mouth. That's why they wear it, not to keep them from breathing on you. Hey, Risa, so your background, you're known as the war chick. My, I, Tell yeah, us a little hobby, bit about that so people military history is my hobby and has been for over 30 years. And it started with my dad's friend, Ricardo Carrasco, who was in the Korean War, America's longest running war, the Korean War, and our first against communism. Now that is a metaphor. Our longest running war is a war against communism. That's a metaphor for right now. And anyway, I became an expert in the Korean War and communism as a result. I also started to notice in the mid 90s, Islam and communism seemed to be making an unholy alliance or a secret combination. And that's when I um, coined the term Islamunism. These two seem to be coming together. Hmm. And a lot of people, especially those who were writing at Time Magazine, USA Today, New York Times, really mocked me for saying that, saying that uh, you know communism is atheist and Islam is all about Allah. Right. And I said, they have commonalities. They both believe in their ideology by force, not free agency. That's a great point. You believe in Allah or you're killed or taxed or enslaved. Communism, same thing. You believe in no God, kill, tax, slave. Um, and they both believe in no freedom and they both target America and Israel. In fact, um, Islam refers to us as the mother of Israel and the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan. And if you kill the mother, the baby dies. Uh, Communism feels the same way. The only nation that stands between communist control of the world, and they've all admitted it, is America and her allies. And if you take America down, the allies are dead. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know what? It's a dangerous combination. I mean, right now we see 
China, you know, forming this alliance. Icoms. You know, yes. with, with, with Iran, right? They're in the process exactly. of- Exactly, exactly. Nobody's well, talking about well, it in the press, but it's gonna be extremely, extremely dangerous. Obviously, it is. China, China will go around the, you know, the, the embargoes that we have with Iran. They'll grab all the oil. They'll take it, from, uh, take it for nothing. And, uh, and, and, and Iran gets uh, a lot of money, including nuclear technology. Yeah. No. Yeah, well, don't you find that fascinating, too? Um, what really led me to the um, Islam and communism secret combination, as I call it, is that I noticed in the mid-90s, North Korea, Pakistan stole nuclear tech from UNESCO. Dr. A.Q. Khan, their nuclear scientist stole it. He went to UNESCO to train. He did it specifically to steal nuke tech. He stole it, but that's how Pakistan got the bomb. Then they, then I noticed Pakistan was sending scientists to North Korea and I couldn't figure out why. And this was pre-internet. You know, I was reading in the papers all this and I'm like, they're not trading farming secrets. Pakistan and North Korea where they're starving to death, they're trading farming secrets a land of sand that can barely feed its people, and North Korea. And I immediately knew they're, they're sharing nuke tech. Sure enough, Pakistan gave it to North Korea. Then I started to know it's North Korea and Iran and Syria. And I said, everyone pay attention to this. They're giving nuke tech to Iran and Syria. Sure enough, that's exactly what it turned out. So then you have to ask yourself the question, why would a religious nation, Pakistan, share the technology to destroy the world with an atheist nation, North Korea, communism. Well, they've, they've formed an alliance. They're a secret combination. And that led me to Islamism. And then, of course, North Korea answers to China a lot because China upholds them. And here's what's fascinating. My very first article I ever wrote back in 2002 Joseph Farah of World Net Daily published it, broke it into three parts because it was long because I'm a talker and that transfers into writing quite a bit. Um, I made a bold prediction back then that I stand by to this day. I said that we may not recognize it when it happens, but when we're writing the history someday of the final battle of Armageddon, we're going to be stunned to find out that the first salvo of Armageddon actually came out of North Korea and not the Middle East. And one of the reasons I write this is because when they were writing about what was going to happen in the last days, where were they? Where was John the Revelator? Where was uh, Daniel from the Old Testament when they were writing about it? They said it would come out of the East. They didn't mean the East of America. Right. They were in the Middle East already. What's east of the Middle East? <laughs> Russia, China, North Korea. And I went, oh my gosh, it's our old enemy of communism that's going to start, that's going to kick off Armageddon. It's going to come out of North Korea and they're going to somehow trigger the enemy embeds we already have in this country. Because Khrushchev made that clear 70 years ago yep. to Ezra Benson that they were already fully embedded in the United States. Yeah, and it's going to be a disaster. 70 yeah. years ago. Yeah, you see it today. I mean, the the, mm -hmm. the Democratic Party is a Marxist party of America. That's what oh, absolutely. You know, they're, 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 well, they're, the not even, they're not even hiding it anymore. They're know? not. 
And I refused to join the NEA, Ivan, uh, when I graduated, because the NEA is a communist front group. I knew that back in before I even graduated high school. All you have to do is read their tenets. It, it reads like the communist damn manifesto. Yeah. And it's exactly the same thing. I refused to join it. I, would, I was the only one in my class that wouldn't join the NEA when I graduated. I was the only one that wouldn't join the student NEA when I was in college at ISU. Idaho State University. I butted heads constantly with professors over their communist ideologies and hey, feminism. Risa, um, since we don't have, uh, we're, we're almost out of time. I wanted to ask you, there's two more issues that we, ha we, have, we have to talk. We have to the talk. Bar. The AG balls bar. bar. The balls on bar. Oh, let me tell you. Yeah. Yes. AG bar. Uh, don't forget about the Epstein files. Because you got Durham. Durham, yep. they know what Durham has found. Yep. And they know Durham is untouchable. Durham brought down his own FBI agents, remember, with Whitey Bulger and all that. Yep. Durham is a man of integrity, and that's unfortunately thanks to the Clintons back in the 90s packing the FBI and DOJ because they were fully expecting over and over again to be indicted for their multiple crimes. And I was sounding the war cry then uh, about that uh, warning people. They're doing this on purpose and they're going to degrade our justice system. And that's another pattern from history. Quite often, the destruction of a country comes from wicked judges placed in positions of judgment. And that's what we're seeing. Uh, well, everybody everybody understands that Durham is, is, is mega. No, Dur mega. Durham has the dirt on them. That's why they're so quiet. And my son pointed out something very interesting to me. He said that one of Barr's assistants made it very clear one day in an interview that Durham and Barr are speaking daily. And that is exceptionally, he said that never happens. They don't normally speak daily. And do you remember a year, almost a year ago now, this went from a civil investigation into the FBI and Durham made the announcement it was greatly expanded and had become criminal. He hasn't said much since because Durham's think, a smart man. Who do you think gets hit at, at, at from the I think, and oh here God. is confirmation of it. Just this past few days when Barr has been um, uh, being castigated, I guess you could say, in the House, um, he made a very interesting comment when Jim Jordan was asking him about the investigation. He mentioned something most people didn't know. One, there's a separate investigation going on at the DOJ. And Jordan was stunned and said, what separate investigation? And he said, there's a separate investigation going on into the unmasking requests that have gone on. And Jim Jordan said, that is wonderful. You're, you're investigating Obama. Here's what Barr said. And this is what I had told my son and others that I suspected. I, Barr said, well, it goes back further. I had told my son and others, I think the reason this became criminal is when Durham really got in there, this man of integrity, yeah. Yeah. got in there and saw it. He realized that this went back to the Clintons when they were packing the FIB and the DOJ. And he decided we're cleaning house and it all has to come down. How, how and Barr alluded to that when he made the comment, well, it's actually going back 
further. And Jim Jordan was stunned. He said, you mean beyond the Obama administration? And he said, yes. And, and you know what? And that's a great point because nobody picked that up. Did you, did you no one picked that up, but that was literally, I had suspected that when Durham made that comment almost a year ago. And then there have been little clues along the way go, where I've gone, I think that's what they're doing. And when Barr said that, I was literally shaking. You can go to parlor and I put that out. I am literally shaking right now. Barr just confirmed. And when it comes to criminal behavior with the DOJ and FBI, the real standouts that started this were the Clintons. And I went, he's, he's doing it. Oh my gosh, he's going back to the Clinton administration. He's going back to them because there wasn't this with Bush one, who yeah. I'm not a big fan of, and definitely not Reagan, but Clintons, yeah. when it came to the FIB and the DOJ, they bastardized and raped, ha, the crap out of those two. Yeah. Speaking of rape, I think uh, we're going to see a president hang. Hell, he'll be hung for the first time in his life, the bastard. What do you think? Uh, what a piece of crap he oh, is. And they had the chance to impeach him. And who blocked it? His fellow baby rapers, the commie crafts. Isn't that crazy how, you know. I, this goes back so far. Do you remember just, the house baby scandal just under Reagan? But do you remember how long they were saying, oh, it's conspiracy theories, it's conspiracy theories. Yeah, baloney. Now it's all coming out. It's becoming proof and Barr alluded. That, they, that Durham's gathering that evidence now. And this is why Durham's been quiet because I think Durham's heart is breaking and I think Barr's heart is breaking at what they've seen done to this nation by the commiecrats. We're onto you bastards and you're all gonna hang. Every one of you, every one of you is gonna hang. Ladies I call and gentlemen. Poor, I get to pull the lever and I'm not wearing no damn mask. The great Risa Kirkland. <laughs> AKA War Chick. Hey, Risa, thanks for being on the Victory. show. Hey, I'm starting a podcast. I'm starting call. a podcast and I will be starting a new um, website. I mean, I'm just barely buying it and starting it. So I'll send you the information. But We're I'm going to have Ivan on. Me. Ivan and I have become good friends. So I'm going to have him on. I love the balls on this man. He is the only conservative Hispanic channel I can go to. I love it. We appreciate you. We appreciate you a lot. Where can they find you on social media, Risa? Well, right now I'm only on Parler and Facebook. The others have just become way too communist. Um, but yes, I'll get my site to you once it's up and established. And I'm going to have the wonderful Lady Maga on. You're going to love him. And uh, my partner, um, David Crandall, who ran the Greg Hughes campaign, he would have been a great governor. I'm so sorry to see that he did not get the nomination, but hey, we still love Greg Hughes. And uh, Greg Hughes is a huge Trump supporter. Trump endorsed him. Trump loves him. I feel bad. I wish he could have been governor. Awesome. Um, he'd been a great awesome, governor. He's a good well, man. Thank you very and, much for being on yeah. the show, Risa. And, uh, and, and hopefully you'll come back. And, oh, yes. And don't miss tomorrow's show. We have the great Corey Lewandowski. We got Roger Simon. And we got Jim Dornan. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Friends, this election means more than anything in our lifetime. I know we've heard everybody say this so many times, but this time it's true. We have Marxism openly fighting in our streets, burning down cities. 
That is why the Hispanic vote is so, so important. You've heard our guests talk about it. You know, we need to be the vanguard of freedom. We need to defend it. We know exactly what Marxism is. It has destroyed Latin America, it has destroyed the world, it has destroyed so many other places. That's why we were we have been working so hard to bring the Hispanic vote back to the Republican Party where it belongs. Uh, before this pandemic, we talked about and we've seen polls where the Hispanic approval numbers of, of the president have been 49, 50, 51, 52%. Um, that number would destroy the Democrats, would be a slam dunk landslide victory for the president. We need to continue our work. Please visit hlc.gop uh, and make a donation, share with your friends. We can't do it without you. The Hispanic Leadership Council is obviously the sponsor of the show. Uh, and, and it is the work that we are trying to do. We need to bring that vote to the Republican Party back where it belongs. Please join us, hlc.gop. Thank you.